Hello, my name is David Shire, and this is how it's going so far. The number one pop culture slash uh, whatever culture podcast. I guess I guess I'd also consider this like a hobbyist podcast. I guess today, but uh, anyway, uh, again, my name is David Shire. Um, so today, I want to talk about uh, specifically board games and strategy games. And the reason why I want to talk about uh, specifically board games is that I am a big board game enthusiast. Uh, I have about two closetfuls of board games. Uh, when I was living with a roommate, we had a pantry board that I'm pretty sure you're supposed to put either uh, food or put like blankets and pillows into. And those were like our two options. And instead, what we ended up doing was I ended up uh, turning it into my own personal like board game collection box. So I had like these three shelves by the end of the time we ended up leaving uh, our apartment, uh, it was just completely filled to the brim with board games. And the reason why is because uh, I love learning like new games. I love uh, challenging myself in different ways. I mean, uh, that's kind of like the whole theme of this podcast almost is that like, I, d- I like I like pain. I like suffering. I like uh, pushing myself and pushing myself into different directions. And so and that's what I love about like learning and buying new board games is that it gives me this opportunity to think outside the box, think about different strategies. And also it's just like another good form of escapism. Uh, this week in my actual life, uh, it's been pretty stressful. Like my job as like a freelance uh, web designer is not as like luxurious as you might think. Uh, yes, I do get the benefit of going out and doing a and having my own set schedule. I can wake up super late and then just go to work straight from uh uh, whenever I feel like. Sometimes I just like get up from my bed, I roll out of bed and there's like my uh, my desk right next to my bed and I could just roll into it and then just start working right away. Uh, or I typically I work at a co-working spot um, and it's like a 30 minute drive with gas prices nowadays, not super awesome to be doing that drive every single day. So I've been working, I'm thinking about working from home more, but yeah, like client Client work's gotten a lot more stressful. I have a lot of issues with some e-commerce sites these last couple of weeks. And I have been stressed out. And so my only relief uh, recently was that I had a board game night with a couple of friends uh, this last Friday. And it was super fun. I had a great time. I learned some new board games. And uh, today we're just going to talk about some of my favorite board games and talk about like maybe some of my favorite types of games. Um and why they're my favorite. I also really want to talk about Survivor, but we might talk about that a little bit later uh, in the episode of the podcast. For now, we'll just kind of stick to uh, board games and what I like what I like about them. So as much as I like board games, I think there's a specific type of board game that for a while I would say was my favorite type of board game, and that would be social strategy games. Now, uh, personally, I think that social strategy games are, um, well, how do I define them? A lot of them are like hidden role based. And so what I would mean by that is that uh, typically like it's a game like Mafia, right? So you start off with like a bunch of players that are considered townsfolks. And then you maybe have a select majority minority of players, like maybe one or two uh, that are Mafia. You maybe in some cases you have one person that's a sheriff that's investigating the townsfolks and figuring out who the Mafia is trying to find the mafia is and then you have the nurse where the mafia every single night like they'll kill somebody and then the nurse is the one that saves the person right and so so for a long time like i used to go i well i still go to a church and i think that there's something about christianity and about like the the um the way that everybody's like so forced to 
follow the rules that when people start playing mafia and you play mafia with a group of like hardcore Christians, like things get tense pretty quickly. Like it's like all the sins that uh, everybody's like subduing in themselves just automatically go out the window and everyone starts lying about everything for no particular reason. And I love playing mafia in that way. Now, the problem with mafia is that it's very round based. And so every single round, what ends up happening is mafia, everyone goes to sleep. Mafia chooses a town's person to kill. Uh, that person is then out for the entire game and so and so once they're dead a sheriff wakes up they investigate uh try to like try to find out who's the mafia based on whoever's narrating and then um the nurse wakes up as well and tries to uh, save a person and if they pick the person that the mafia tried to kill they're safe and the problem is is that if you get killed super early on a mafia game and there's like 12 people or even like i played in really big groups of like 20 people uh it becomes like a real long and just my, just like a terrible experience. And it can be very rewarding. I'll give it that. Uh, there are times where I was mafia and I went I, I went the distance with my friend, uh, my, my good friend Chad. And uh, this other guy that we were playing with, his name was uh, Gordon. Uh, and so we were playing we were playing this long game. It was final three. And I had told Chad pretty early on that I was the nurse. And I kind of just hinted to it. Like, I, I was like, you know, don't kill me, Chad, because like, I know that I know that I'm going to make it to the end. He's like, what are you, the nurse? Are you healing yourself? And I was like, yes, exactly. So I said I was the nurse without really saying I was the nurse. And then we get to the final three with my friend Chad and this guy, Gordon. And I'm pretty sure I have Chad's vote to win the game. Like, I, I'm pretty sure it's locked in. But then Jonathan Gordon says that uh, says that he's the nurse. And at this point, I had established to Chad that I was the nurse so hardcore that it didn't it didn't even matter that Jonathan was actually the nurse. I had, I had created this lie and I've implanted it in my friend's brain so hard that we ended up voting him out and I ended up winning the game. And he was so mad at me the rest of the night. He wouldn't even speak to me. And so for that reason, when I play Mafia nowadays, I usually can make it roughly like two or three rounds by like kind of hiding behind my humor and by uh, by really distracting people with like not really thinking that's me. But usually I get voted out like around round three or four, uh, unless I'm not Mafia. Sometimes people can kind of sense that I'm not Mafia. I don't know. Like it's not my it's not my favorite game because now I get killed super early and now I don't get to play as much. But man, when you do get to play and when you do get to the end, it is such a rewarding game. And sometimes it is just fun to watch your friends lie to each other and see what ends up happening. Like I played around recently where my partner ended up going the distance and I just kind of pointed along the way, like which people I thought that she should kill and watching her kind of manipulate the entire room still and ended up getting the W was so fun to watch. And uh, it's definitely <laughs> and it's definitely a good party game if you have a bunch of friends that are interested in watching that kind of uh, element play out. But I do think there are better social strategy games. Um, one of my favorite recently is this game called Resistance. And the way that that one works is it's kind of the same premise. You are either part of the resistance or you're a spy. And so the spies know who each other are and the resistance doesn't. And then each round, uh, assert, like there's different types of missions that you go on to. So the first round, you may be have two people go on a mission. So whoever the team leader is picks which two people they want to go on the mission. And then each player gets given a success and a failure card. And if both people play a success card, the mission, mission successful for the resistance, they're going to win. Uh, but 
if there is even one fail card, then the resistance loses and the spies win that round. And then it's kind of a discussion, okay, which of these two people are the spies? Now, in further rounds, there's more people that go on. So uh, maybe the second mission, it's about three people. That way, the spies have a better chance of hiding between the three people. Uh, in some instances, when there's enough players, uh, there is missions where two of the spot there has to be two fail cards in order for the spies to win. And so, it cre- what I like about this for this game more, and why I think it's a little bit of a jump up, is that I think what I like about it more is that it is a it's a much tighter game. Uh, you get to participate in every single round, and it becomes a, a lot more interesting to see. Uh, what what people end up doing. There's still a lot of there's still like there's not a lot of information to go off of if you are um, if you are the resistance and you don't know who the spies are like and most of the time it kind of devolves into a screaming match. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of the big problem with the game. But it is a game that I played a lot and I've enjoyed a lot. Uh, there's also One Night Ultimate Werewolf where it's basically just uh, a game of mafia where you have two uh, werewolves. Uh, but the difference is, is that each each player has pretty much a role, except for, you know, the townspeople. But uh, each player has a role, and you can kind of use deductive reasoning to figure out who the werewolves are, unless the werewolf is really good, like moi, <laughs> and can create spin a yarn uh, to, the other ta- to the other players. It definitely feels a little bit more thinky, and it's something I really enjoy. I think the best social strategy game I have played, though, in recent memory, is a game called um, Detective Murder in Hong Kong. Uh, the way it works is that one player, again, there's one murder, it's all hidden role games, and uh, everybody else is a detective, there's been a murder on the case, and uh, it turns out that uh, one of the murderers is also a detective, and so uh, the way the round works is that uh, one player is selected as the forensic scientist, and they have a bunch of these tile cards with like different attributes on them. So, for example, one would be location of the crime. And then there's like different locations like, oh, a playground or a school. And what they do is they place a bullet on top of uh, and they mark where where that location is at, where the crime took place. And then uh, for the murder weapon, they'll say something like, oh, Oh, uh, this the murder weapon or like how the person was killed was either by accident or by traumatic injury. And they have like different uh, cards for that as well. As long as some other like cards that aren't super helpful, like uh, victims build, was he tall or short, like stuff like that as well uh, that are interjected in between there. Uh, the the everybody has like two sets of cards in front of them, including the murderer. Uh, one set is like a key piece of evidence. So think like uh like um, like maybe a package of package of cigarettes was found at the crime scene, or maybe uh, maybe a, a, a an alcoholic uh, beverage like wine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like I, I couldn't think of wine, but I could think of the word alcoholic beverage. Like, but like a wine bottle was found at the crime scene, and then also so that would be like the bottom row, and then the top row is like a murder weapon, like a AKA like um, like an AK forty seven, or or uh, actually I think a game example would be like a machete or a, uh, a baseball bat. And then the murderer has to pick two of those. And then based on whatever the murderer picks, the forensic scientist knows what they picked, and then they base their clues based off of that. What's really great about that game in particular is that everybody has a chance to speak. It is written in the rules that everybody gets 60 seconds to uh, plead their case on who they think the murderer is. And because of this 
this element of the game, it it's a lot less lying, per se. It's more of social manipulation. Because I think in social strategy games, there's really two options that you can go down. One, you can kind of go with a straight-up lying strategy, which I never think is super effective. Uh, you know, claiming... Like uh, in Mafia, I think the worst thing that you can probably do uh, early on is claim that you're sheriff when you're Mafia, because it is very hard to keep up that lie, especially if there's a second sheriff. And then the obvious move for the townspeople is just to vote out you both out. And so it's not something I recommend doing. What typically I do in strategy, social strategy games is I use a lot of humor to, to deflect. So if somebody starts saying, like, it could be you, David, I was like, yeah, I guess it could be you, but it could be you, Luke. And he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, like it usually causes people to back off and uh, you can get you can get the numbers on your side to make sure that you're safe in in the games. Right. And so. And so uh, it's just it's just like it's just like this added benefit because you get do learn a little bit of like what your friends are willing to do and say uh, when they're under the pressure. And what I liked, again, going back to what I like about Detective Kong Hong, Hong Kong, is that you're really pointing out like different pieces of evidence. You're saying like, OK, so the murder weapon was blunt force trauma. Well, um, for example, uh, friend number one, I see that you have a bat. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a blunt force trauma object. Uh, it said that the key piece of evidence was left behind was artistic. I see that graffiti is uh, a key piece of uh, a key piece of things that was uh, saw at the crime. So I think it's Korean with uh, the bat. And then you turn in your badge. Um, if you turn in your little badge, you get one guess per game. Uh, personally, for yourself. Uh, who you think the murderer is? Uh, you turn in your badge. You say you say uh, I think it was friend number one with the bat and the graffiti. Uh, forensic scientist says yes or they say no, and that's pretty much all the information they can give out. And then uh, and then the if it reaches the other round, then the game is reset. And so because of this because of this like this really interesting uh, setup, I think that the game becomes a lot more interesting and a lot more uh, fun to play as opposed to the other games where really it can kind of break down into yelling matches and like uh, past traumas can be brought up with your friendships being like, David, I never trusted you because remember that one time we played this game? It's like, yeah, I remember that now, but like you can't keep using that as an excuse to vote me out late, <laughs> my good friend. Uh, so it just becomes, uh, it becomes like, it becomes less of a yelling match and more of a deductive reasoning match and trying to match wits with people. And so even when the murderer wins, you kind of have to applaud them because they're able to uh, give out good points and misdirect people enough that you feel like you're almost feel like good, like, oh, like that was a good one by the murderer. So that's what I like about that. Uh, another game that I would also recommend as like a base social strategy game, if you're not really into any social strategy, but you kind of want to play a card game. Uh, I would also highly recommend Coup. Now, Coup is less of a social strategy game, but it's more like a game of poker, I would say. It's more of a, a bluffing game. That's how I would call it. So basically, you're given like different roles that interact with one another. So um, for example, like if you're a duke, uh, then you can take coins in the middle of the game, on the middle of the board, and you can use those coins to uh, carry out like murders and assassinations. Uh, if you're an assassin, you can pay less coins in order to get somebody killed. Uh, if you are um, if you're a sheriff, you can like use use your influence to steal coins from other players. And all these uh, all these abilities kind of build on themselves and like uh, cancel out other abilities. So for the sheriff, there's another uh, rule card called the um, the merchant who's able to stop people from like stealing from them if you just claim that card. And sheriffs obviously also can't steal from other sheriffs. And so but what this causes is it causes these deadlocks 
And what people can start doing in the game is that you can claim to be anything. So let's say you don't have a duke. Let's say you have two sheriffs, but you really want to take three coins from the middle. So then you just say, okay, I'm the duke. I'm taking three coins from the middle. And if nobody calls you out on it in that turn, then you basically just got away with lying. And so that's where that's where the real interesting portions of the game is, because it becomes a lot more game theory. And that's what I really enjoy about about those types of games is like with the bluffing element uh, is the kind of deeper level game theory that's going on in everybody's head where it's like, okay, he's taking three coins. Is he doing it because he has the Duke or is he doing it because it's the best move for him? And it kind of it as the game and as more cards get revealed in the game on who who was what it becomes more and more of this really interesting you can optimize your performance and your gameplay which i really like about q i haven't played it in quite some time because um i remember i remember there was a time where we would literally play coup every single day like any time that we every single time that we met up with a, my group of friends and so i think we really burned ourselves out on it but it was just such a but it really does there also is like this social dynamics portion where like if people get killed early you can kind of tell who's getting killed early based off of like the social dynamics usually the way i play coup is i try to slow play it and try to be seen as not a threat uh, early on and I highly recommend, uh, like, whenever somebody gets killed, I'm like, well, I mean, you got to send a message and, like, kill that person back, you know? And they're like, yeah, I got to do that because you start off the game with two lives. And so anytime that you can kind of cause chaos in that game and kind of uh, kind of work your way through the storms is what I really enjoy about uh, those types of games. And it's why I don't really trust my friends anymore because, uh, <laughs> because uh, I know I played so many of these types of games with my friends. I know they're all dirty, rotten liars when it, co- when it comes to gameplay and they're very cutthroat and I deeply enjoy it. Uh, I deeply love my friends, but I don't know if I'd ever trust them <laughs> in a game situation. Um, so I like there's like w- there's like a couple instances too. I remember I was playing a game of resistance with my friend Corey who I've mentioned on the podcast before. And I I basically I was kind of going with the new this new meta strategy where uh, resistance, you know, you're supposed to figure out who the spies are, but I really wanted to kind of what like it was. I think we were playing a five-person game, and in, in a five-person game, two of the people are spies, and so I really wanted to lock in like two people that I really, really thought were just resistance, and so, and I think I put too much trust in my friend Corey in this game. I was convinced. I was con- so convinced that he was not a spy, and when he turned his card over, and when I saw red, I didn't just see red on the card my eyes were completely red. I was so pissed at him <laughs> at the time. And I, I couldn't understand how he could have betrayed me in that moment. And it, it hurt my soul, like, in that moment. And since that game, I don't think I've ever gotten as mad at a Resistance game because I've kind of accepted the fact that, you know, most of it's just with that with that game in particular, it's just kind of luck and chance if you're, uh, if you're a Resistance and not a spy. But my gosh golly, I was so mad at him that day and I couldn't believe, I could not believe my eyes when I saw him, when I saw him do that and I was so, so angry. Um, but speaking of which, I think that that's kind of why the reason, um, I've talked about Survivor before on this podcast. I do want to talk about it again because I do think it is such an interesting and fascinating show and it's, and uh, talking about board games, my love of the social strategy games um, also kind of informs my love of Survivor because I do love I do love this like this this what this people watching and seeing how people react in like a really intense and um, tough situation. So one of my 
one of my favorite thing, like in order to make a good Survivor season, I think you need a couple of things. I think you need one, you need a really great cast. Two, I would say you need a really compelling winner. And three, you need some really funny moments because it's not fun to watch like a, a dreadful season where one person completely dominates the game. Uh, I think that you need to spice, uh, mix it up and spice it up uh, a little bit. So the season I typically recommend uh, people is I usually recommend season 33, uh, Millennials versus Gen Xers, because one, uh, the theme is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like boomer shaming, except it's like between the millennial like the, it's the millennials boomer shaming the Gen Xers. Um, and it just feels like so dated in that way even though the season I think came out in like 2016 2014 uh, whenever Hamilton first started coming out I can't I can't remember when Hamilton came out uh, I remember I was listening to a, a podcast with uh, one of the survivor players that were on that season and they were talking about how they uh, listened to Hamilton and like how everybody was refer- referencing Hamilton uh, during that game and I was like oh yeah Hamilton's like super old like it's it's hard it's difficult to remember that because the whole musical came out on Disney plus just a couple of years like two years ago go in 2020, which by who knows what year it is, <laughs> the time you're listening to this, uh, it might be like a 2040 and I don't even know. But anyway, so th- getting back to it, I love I love millennials and Gen Xers because of that. I think that the story of who ends up winning the game is super compelling and it's just a really interesting portrait of this person's life at that time specifically that I think it's just so crazy that it happened and so uh, I highly and um, there's just like there's a lot of really fun and compelling characters in the cast Um, one of the characters shares my name his name's David and he's just such a nervous wreck in the beginning but watching him kind of grow on the island is just such a treat and I love him uh, for it he becomes such a weasel my friend absolutely hates him and uh, (laughs) even though he starts off as like just this total uh, dork and I just I love I love the game that he plays. I love the game that so many other people play uh, that season. Everybody played really hard and not exactly like a perfect game from everybody. Uh, and so uh, it's the season I recommend the most. But I think my favorite Survivor season genuinely is probably Survivor Kageon. Uh, the reason being is that I think that... Um, the characters are just really, really great characters. Uh, I can think of Sasha, um, or not Sasha, Tasha, uh, Spencer, Wu, uh, Officer Sarah. Uh, you get a great character in Tony of Lakos. Um, you get these different range of heroes idiots and villains like the whole theme of the season is uh, brains versus brawn versus beauty and uh, some of the brains are not super brainy some of the beauties are exactly what you expect them to be and some of the brawns really like throw your head for a loop and you're just like what what's going on right uh chaos Cass also uh is just a major part of the season she's on the brains uh tribe and she is just a total b to everybody in that game um i think that even if you don't know who the winner of the show is or even if you do even if you know who the winner of kageon is watching that person's game uh from episode to episode it's just so wild and so crazy that no matter what you'll enjoy the season i i already knew who the winner was uh beforehand and uh and um i would recommend i would recommend going into this one blind i have i have them in my note i have them in my notes who the winner of the show is but i think uh, i'll just kind of skip that and uh just go ahead and say that it's it's a pretty wild season the finale episode even is uh 
is just so compelling because usually in a survivor finale you kind of already get the sense of who's going to win the show or like uh even if once it gets to the final three you have a good sense of which of the finalists is going to win the show but in this even when that is the case in this season the, the fact how that person got to the finals is just so it's so fascinating and uh the speeches in that final tribal council get really personal personal, which I think is maybe kind of the even more secret sauce uh, to a good Survivor season, is when people's feelings get personally hurt when you're playing a game, I think that makes for really interesting and compelling television, because it becomes this question of, of for the contestant who did, who did harm to that person, like, how much, how much, how much can you do that person? You voted them out, and yet you expect them to give you a million dollar prize. Like, how, how can you justify that to that person? And more importantly, how can that person forgive the person that voted them out? And because a million dollars, I mean, it doesn't seem with inflation going up, it's definitely not as much as it was uh, back when Survivor first started in the 2000s. But it is still a game changing. It is still like a game changing amount of money. And so when you take that opportunity to win that money away from somebody and they get so personally hurt by some of the things that you've done or said, how do you how do you win their vote back? How do you make sure that your relationship was good enough on that island that you can win their vote back in that moment? And watching the great players do that and watching them navigate those social politics is just so fascinating. It like just never, never gets old to me seeing seeing people betray each other and seeing them uh, seeing them go ahead, go at each other. Uh, in those final tribals. Uh, final tribals council has uh, changed a little bit in recent years. Uh, they used to do this thing where they would ask uh, uh, each of the jury members uh, a question and uh, or the jury members would ask the final contestants a question and they do it one by one. Now it's a little bit more of a group think kind of thing where they uh, they have general questions that they ask the contestants, which I don't love as much, but it's, it is what it is. I think that the core of Survivor and that social aspect of the game is is what makes the show so interesting and so compelling to watch. And I highly recommend it. I, the way I would describe it is it's kind of like watching, um, it's kind of like just watching like a really good, like political drama almost, except that like all the politics are taking place on the island. And sometimes there's like really funny and silly moments that happen on in the game. And so uh, there's like a nice levity uh, in some of the, in some moments. And so, uh, if that's not a big enough recommendation for Survivor, then I don't know what is. I'm currently watching Survivor 42. That's the season that's currently on. Um, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, we'll see if it can kind of continue uh, its pace. Uh, and honestly, I don't know how much longer Survivor has. Uh, it does feel like it's kind of getting into twilight years at the moment. Uh, I think it will need a big character in order to kind of push the show for the next couple of seasons, but we'll see what happens. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just one of these. It's, it's maybe the biggest show that I'm passionate about right now outside of Big Brother, but we'll give Big Brother its episode next week. Um, anyway, in closing, in closing, uh, there's not, uh, there's still like a lot of crazy things going on in the world uh, today. Um, I posted last week uh, some links to uh, help out with Ukraine relief uh, funds. And so I'll be posting those same links as well in this episode as well. Um, I want to try my best to kind of spread awareness and spread um, and help out uh, the refugees uh, that are currently fleeing fleeing the Ukraine and try to keep up with uh, the politics going on uh, there. Um, if you want to help support the podcast any other ways, um, I, we do have a Patreon. I don't update it super often. Uh, I, I have it there right now just to kind of uh, keep things um, 
just to kind of like for the future more so than like anything presently uh in the in the future i did subscribe to another podcast's patreon uh i won't say which one but uh you'll you have a pretty good idea if you listen to other episodes of this podcast um and seeing what they were doing seeing how they kind of created a discord server and seeing how they created a um a uh, good facebook private page to interact with uh the uh different different fans i think is that's kind of the more direction i want to go to so if you want to interact with me uh if you want to ask questions or things um or like uh suggest topics to discuss on the podcast uh follow follow me on twitter at david shire 22 or you can follow me uh on instagram at david shire uh uh, at david shire 22 as well um if you want to um uh, that that way I can interact better with uh, you your fans. I also created a Facebook page called uh, How It's Going So Far. If you want to follow that, uh, send ideas in and uh, for different podcasts or like different things that you want me to try. Uh, maybe I'll do like a food episode where like I try different types of food. I don't know. That that sounds kind of fun. I don't know. <laughs> this podcast is very loose and very open, so which is what I enjoy about doing it. Um, yeah. So I just want a little bit more fan interaction, and that's kind of my focus uh, on. Uh, on the episodes moving forward, because I think that, uh, I think that I kind of want to build a community, uh, going forward. Uh, anyway, again, my name has been David Shire and that's how it's going so far.